Hello and welcome to the Game Champio Podcast. My name's Sean and joining me as always is the one and only Dante Boffer. Mr. Boffer, man, how are we? I'm good, Sean. I'm about a minute and a half removed from the coffin fit, so <laughs> I'm feeling much better than I was when I saw my life flash before my eyes. It's um, it's awkward that you're telling me that because I was obviously on Zoom with you just now when you went through the coughing fit. So it's like, yeah, you're talking to me. Yeah, it's small talk, but we're also on the on the podcast. I don't know. But I just like to um, bring the listeners behind the curtain. <laughs> you too. That's the professionalism you get when you work with uh, Meme Space Radio's very own Dante Boffer. <laughs> Meme Space Radio. <laughs> that uh, is that a throwback. Is the, that is the ultimate throwback, the ultimate niche reference. Um, yeah, shout out to Meme Space Radio, gone but not forgotten. <laughs> I, I don't know why I just remembered that. Um, you, you told me that you did a, a Meme Space Radio like two years ago you, when you told me you did it. Um, yeah, it was, in 20, of- it was in 2016. It was, it was yeah, 20, 2016 on Swinburne Student Radio and... I was doing it with my friends, Dove and Jace, and we, we took a photo, like they took a photo of me in the, in the radio booth with my, you know, my headphones on and like all the equipment (laughs) in front of me and I uploaded it. And a couple of weeks later, I uploaded it on, on Instagram and it it did absolute numbers on Instagram. (laughs) One retweet, Um, two likes. (laughs) (laughs) And a couple of weeks later, uh, Dove, who was a, a Swinburne student at the time went on to like the Swinburne radio website and they had made me the um they had made me like the cover photo for the website that exact <laughs> image of me <laughs> so it was my like that's my nice little like claim to fame I was so you, you, you weren't a, you weren't a student there but you I was no, I was I was not a student and and if, if anyone from the Swinburne student radio hierarchy is listening right now cover your ears because (laughs) not only was i not a student but i also impersonated a swinburne student multiple times to get access (laughs) to the radio booth when dove was um running late so we would just have to like memorize his his number call up security and then be like um hey can you please let us in and they're like yeah what's your student number and i'm like you know tell the student number it's like oh like you know like uh uh, day and i'm like yeah that's me and then they're like all right (laughs) come in um i've just tried to go and try and find that photo of you and so i've got on your instagram and scrolled all the way back um fuck man you you were a fucking unit when you were 16 i was a unit yeah man you're was a specimen I? yes you sitting here one hand on the hip about socially distanced from a group of females holding a can of summersby just staring right into the camera <laughs> i'll uh yeah I'll, I'll send you a photo for after the pod but this socially is socially distanced before covid yeah if there's anything about mr boffer he's um he's very ahead of the times <laughs> um well that's uh that's now that we've got that out of the way let's move on to the to the meat of the podcast um there's the, you know the, the off season's wrapping up we've um we've pretty much finished the off season there are some free agents still out there some notable free agents but all in all like the big stuff has fallen and i think the final piece to fall into place is our victor oladipo fuck i should have signed it player of the week and and dante do you mind just saying who that might be this week it's literally there's literally only one contender for this and it's it's the d-man it's dennis schroeder absolute idiot <laughs> <laughs> so Dennis Schroeder was offered what four for 84 four for 89 was, from the Lakers I think he was asking for 100 plus over five um 
and he got concrete offered last season um, mm. four for 84. Like that was on the table, ready to go. And he was like, nah, I'm worth more than this. Um, and he, he just signed a one year, $5.9 million deal with the Celtics, which I'm assuming is the taxpayer mid-level, which has got to be a bit of a kick in the teeth like for your pride. Not only that you signed for approximately a quarter of your, the, of the average value annually that you were seeking, but that not even a random team with a mid-level was like, yeah, well, like let's bring in Schroeder on like a 327. It's like a taxpayer mid-level. Mm-hmm. Like, um, yeah, a real kick in the patch, isn't it? <laughs> is a, that is a huge kick in the patch. Don't tell, uh, don't tell his barber because there's going to be some, uh, some damage to that patch. How crazy is this? Like, what? What are you doing, bro? You should have just—you <laughs> should have just texted me when when um he got that four for eighty four. I would have been like, bro, sign it. That's that's yeah. good. That's good money. That was before he had all the you know the clashes with Kyle Kuzma and like essentially fitted out of the Lakers the Lakers chemistry. So like that was that was before any bad stuff could have happened in a Lakers jersey. He was offered this money, which was probably a little bit stupid from Rob Palinka. Um, And luckily he's dodged a bullet without even meaning to. Uh, and now Dennis Schroeder, like how old is he? How old's, how old's the old Schroeder? He'll be like 27. He is 27. 20, actually, his birthday is in 30 days. So happy birthday for when he uh, cashes that check. Um yeah, so I just Googled the definition of Schrodinger's cat just because I was like, please be something relevant because that'd be really funny. <laughs> um, and as Google describes, sh- how do you pronounce that? Schrod- 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 Schrodinger. All right, Schrodinger, also known as Schroeder's cat, um, is a thought experiment in which a hypothetical cat may be considered simultaneously both alive and dead as a result of its fate being linked to a random subatomic event that may or may not occur. Maybe I've missed the boat here, but an event that may or may not have occurred is someone paying uh, six figures to Dennis Schroeder. Sorry, that's more than six figures. Yeah, 100 plus million. 100 plus million. It's just, yeah, I don't know. The only other one that I can remember in recent um, recent years, other than the namesake of the Victor Oladipo, fuck, I should have signed it award, <laughs> uh, Victor Oladipo. The only other one I can remember is... Uh, Remember when the Mavs? Remember when Nerlens Noel was on the Mavs? I was gonna say Nerlens. And they Noel, offered man. him, they offered him, you know, silly money, and like not even silly money by like, you know, it's not not that bad by today's standards, but like, you know, six years ago, five years ago, when the cap was like, you know, twenty five million less, I think they offered him like fifteen million a year or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was like the max was like, you know, like twenty three, and they were offering him fifteen, which would be like thirty now. Mm. Crazy. Yeah, and he uh, didn't take it, and ended up playing for the minimum the next year, and the year after as well. I mean, like he played for five million for the Knicks last year, um, and like I guess he just cashed out at, at three for thirty-two this most recent offseason. But even that uh, doesn't hold a flame to the Dallas Mavericks offer. That's back when the the Mavs were like, we have to get a Tyson Chandler facsimile. We have to get the next Tyson Chandler because we won a title in twenty eleven. All of our other title teams have to have the exact same cast of characters, just with different names. Yeah, which luckily is, they grew out of that phase. Well, I mean, they grew out of that phase because of things potentially beyond their control, like Nerlens Noel deciding not to take the bag when it was offered to him. Yeah, um, I hope that Dennis Schroeder leaves his agent. 
Uh, yeah, but like you gotta you gotta think some of it comes from Dennis Schroeder. Like you know, obviously everyone believes in themselves, but some of it has to come from Dennis Schroeder. Like if anyone gets offered eighty four million dollars, like not many people are gonna turn it down unless you're like a little bit kooky. So maybe Dennis Schroeder is a little bit like, no, 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 that's pathetic. So I don't think it's yeah. all his agent, but yeah, I mean, look well, elsewhere. There's a lot of evidence that he is that he is a bit kooky. I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. This is this is now. this isn't an isolated situation. And but... the craziest thing is that, like, by the end of his time in Atlanta, they were like, "This guy is not the future point guard uh... for our team, and we don't really want him around." And so he was just like dumped in OKC. Had a great year in OKC. Like he was, you know, like a legit six man of the uh, contender and he averaged like 18 and five on a, on a playoff team. So like showing that he can utilize his skill set for winning basketball. And then he had a pretty average season with the Lakers. So he, upon having only had one really like good season in the last mm. three or four was like, nah, I'm, I'm not going to take $84 million like, on the table right now. I mean, anyway, t- take a page out of Nick Batum's book and cash in when you can. Um, just one yeah. final point, one final point on this thing. Um, my colleague at Nuglove, the site co-expert, uh, Adam Taylor, is a Boston Celtics fan. And he looks at this as just like, oh, no, like, it, don't even worry about the money. Don't even worry that the Celtics got, you know, you can say good value for a taxpayer MLE, uh, Dennis Schroeder, a guy who should be worth in that in the $80 million range. Um, just He's just like, what just a bad player like now now he's coming into the situation there's no Kemba he's just going to be that small point guard that uh play in green jerseys and take a lot of shots and those shots should probably go to Tatum and Brown I personally actually think that it's an okay move because I think his reputation is so diminished that he can't credibly come in with any ambitions on taking heaps and heaps of shots I just don't think that there's. That's such a backhanded compliment, though. (laughs) Well, I just, I kind of just mean, though, like everyone on the team and the coaching staff seen what happened over the last year. And they're not bringing you in because you're an amazing player. They're bringing you in because you're a good player and six million, you know, that's that's just a bargain for for a player like that. So you, you do it. But I don't think that like he could go into the locker room and try and be like the alpha and try and like take shots away from other players. And people are going to be like, yeah, like this is fine. Like they'll kind of be like, listen, like this is your role. You have an opportunity to win the starting job, but you are not the 20 shot a game. You're not even the 15 shot a game um, kind of player. So I think Mm -hmm. that hopefully they'll be able to keep him in check. The only thing then is that um, first year head coach. So it's um, it's Emo Udoka is the, the head coach in Boston, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah, so we'll see how first year head coach goes with like wrangling someone who, as we've just discussed, is a bit of a kook. But I think that I'm optimistic that he'll be able to, they'll be able to figure it out. And he's still at like a, you know, what if he's if he's your starter? Is he the twenty second best point guard in the league? Is he the fifteenth best point guard in the league? Yeah. Is he better than Peyton Pritchard? Probably. Is he, is he? Would you rather start him or Marcus Smart? Well, I mean, running them both together uh, is an interesting concept. I'd, and I'd, I'd probably lean towards playing Smart, you know, at the two. Um, and then if you bring Schroeder in and he, like, locks in and actually, like, tries and plays D, that's a pretty good defensive lineup. It's a pretty good one through four. Mm. Um, defensive lineup with Schroeder, Smart, and then the Jays at the three and the four. Yeah. Um, 
Well, only time will tell. All right, let's move on to some of the bigger news uh, for the past week because, believe it or not, Dennis Schroeder, it wasn't big news. Um, I, I want to start with Larry Markkinen, who is still a free agent as we record this. This is the danger of recording an off-season podcast. You know, we could we could send this to print and then it's old an hour later. But Dennis, so Larry Markkinen, free agent with the Chicago Bulls, he has a qualifying offer that was extended to him worth $9 million. So he always has that at his backup. But coming from Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report, the Mavs, Pelicans, Wolves, and Celtics are all interested in marketing. Now, this report came out before the Schroeder news, so I don't know how real the Celtics are uh, in terms of getting Larry marketing. They currently... Let me scroll down. They're currently uh, over the tax by $700,000. So you don't really want to pay too much money for for Larry Markin from their point of view. So I don't know if that's still there, but where where do you see Larry Markin going? Because he's 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 market has dried up heaps. Um, and these three teams, you imagine that the reason they're interested in him is because they think they can get, you know, like a, a nice little value contract here, just like our mate Dennis. Um, where where do you see Larry going and where would you want him to go? Well, I think the Mavs stuff is completely redundant because I can't think of a player that fits more poorly with Porzingis than Markkanen because they're the exact same style of player and he gives you nothing that Porzingis doesn't already give you. So I can't possibly see how that would be genuine. The Pelicans are interesting because last season when when it was coming out to the deadline and they were doing the will they won't, they with Lonzo Ball, they discussed a, a trade built around Lonzo for Markkanen. Obviously, Lonzo's already ended up on the ball. So it would be funny if in like two separate deals, Markkanen came back. <laughs> and the reason why he was discussed is because offensively, you're saying like this guy's a floor spacer. He can clear the lane for Zion, which is good. But the issue that Zion poses when trying to find who's going to be the guy next to him is that usually the guys that you're talking about on offense as like operating around the rim are going to be like, okay, defenders as well. So you can talk about a guy like Markkinen, who's not a great defender, but who can space out and be like, yeah, get him in there. But it's like Zion needs someone who's spaced out on offense and he needs someone who can defend the rim on D and there's there, that's four of very those guys. Hard, yeah. And like one of those guys in the league. One of them might be on the trade market with, uh, with Miles Turner and, and, you know, David Griffin shown no interest in trading for him. Yeah, well, I mean, again, fire David Griffin because the amount of centers that he's brought through, that's not, um, that are worse than Miles Turner on more money. Um, so you're right, like the market's drying up. The Celtics have, uh, have you know, I've been hearing rumors of, of, about that for the whole offseason, basically, the whole Celtics offseason, which was quite a lot longer than some other teams' offseasons. Um, and then the Wolves, like, Again, kind of a redundant skill set with the with the way that Cat has spaced out to the three point line, and is pretty much aside from Jaron Jackson Jr. the most active three point shooting big man. So it's like, well, what's Markinen bringing there? I think mm. he'll just sign the qualifying offer and come back to the Bulls, yeah. and and try and try and you know play as the sixth man and get the shine of the Bulls run for the sixth seed. You know, mm. yes. try and get that. Yeah, just that, just like, be deep, just be yeah. deep, and and you need someone to soak up the thirtieth young minutes as well. Yeah, it's true, unfortunately. Um, um, but I mean, yeah, I, I can't say yeah, can't say any team paying more than nine million for him annually. Um, and 
I can't see any team giving up a serious asset for him at this point for the privilege to pay him more than nine million annually. Mm-hmm. And um, and the Hornets were interested. There were some rumblings, I think, before uh, free agency started. And you imagine them getting Mason Plumlee as sort of their big man fix, and they're happy just like just keeping on, keeping on. Uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves have seven million dollars under the uh, salary cap, um, but they also have Jared Vanderbilt, who is still a free agent. And you imagine that you'd prioritize him just because he can actually guard his position, um, and he's, he might actually end up being cheaper. But yes. Yeah, $7 million under, you probably don't want to pay the tax for this mini team. So look, if you're going to offer him $7 million and you're Larry Markman, you may as well just say, well, I'm happy just doing $9 million for one year uh, and coming back and just like hopefully bringing up my stock on this playoff bound team. And if not playoff bound team, play in bound team. Um, and look, the Bulls need shooting and Larry yeah, but the shot risk two years he, ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. He shot one out of four years. The risk is is that he finds himself the odd man out in terms of the, the rotation crunch in Chicago, though, and he only ends up playing like 22 minutes a game, which if you're playing 22 minutes a game, that's not enough time for you to prove that you're worth more than 10 million so mm. he could be next year's like early contender for the victor oladipo fuck i should have signed it but what did he, did, did he get offered anything like what, no what? but but you know like if if let's just like use our imaginations and say that he's been over the various points in the last 18 months he's been putting it out there that he'd want something approaching 18 million mm. annually yeah if you're yeah, putting yeah. that out there, you're not going, and you're not worth it. You're not going to get offered. But if you put it out there that you wanted twelve, and that you would settle for, you know, like a four for forty-eight kind of vibe, yeah, yeah, you potentially a good value would, contract. You would have been offered something. So it's almost like it's like a meta. I should have signed it, where <laughs> your own actions are responsible for you not having had the opportunity for you to sign it. So, mm-hmm. Anyway, oh. it's a it's a concept for next year. Next year. <laughs> a meta award. I'll um I'll give you two two names and tell me what you reckon. So you got OKC or New York. Do you like either of those teams going after him? No, because um OKC, there's no point in bringing in someone who might be good enough to give you an extra two wins. Like, just what's the point? Like, if he's not a serious developmental project, then like, just don't do mm. it. At least not this year. Like, you can be bad for for one more year. Um, and then the, the 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 Knicks present the same exact problem where like he as as the Bulls do where like he, Vucevic is on the team and fills Markinen's role better, and then Randall on the Knicks is going to play the four. You can't play really play Randall much at the five. Like that would be a defensive nightmare with Markinen and Randall in the front court together. So if he goes to New York, he's just going to be Randall's backup. Which you know what's what's there? It's like fifteen mm, minutes a game. Mm, so, would rather be Pat Williams and Vucevic's backup or Randall yeah, and Noel's backup. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, like stay in a situation that you know and with people that know you and know your strengths and that sort of thing. So. Mm. Uh, and just final point on the report from Jake Fisher. He said that the Bulls are looking for a first-round pick uh, in exchange for a potential sign-and-trade for Markinen. So uh, we here at the Deep 2 wish them the best of luck with that. <laughs> Good luck, Lowry. <laughs> All right. Other piece of news is that the uh, the Ben Simmons uh, the Ben Simmons trade rumors are look they they're not heating up but they they've stayed pretty 
hot, I guess, since the draft. Uh, so Zach Lowe went on a podcast with Jeff Van Gundy and uh, Stephen, Stephen A. Smith, a. Stephen a. Good pod. Uh, and he said that the Warriors, Spurs and Wolves are interested in trading for Ben Simmons. Obviously, the Wolves were also interested in signing Larry Markkinen. Uh, I, I thought that the, the Warriors rumors were just sort of smashed and stopped, but apparently they're not. Uh, what, do you, what do you like out of these three teams for Ben Simmons? I, I like the Wolves like, from a, a Simmons perspective. Uh, I think that it would be really fun if he was on the Wolves because it's important to note, I think, that like, like we're in agreement that he kind of needs to give up this idea of being like the capital, the capital P, capital G point guard um, and maybe play the four play like a ball handling four role would, mm. would i be correct in saying that we're on the same page with that yeah but i think it's hard if he goes to minnesota and they say hey don't play the point guard and he goes who the fuck are you like you haven't made the playoffs outside of jimmy butler in enormous well i mean years. if he's if he's if he's going everywhere if he's going anywhere with his ego not bruised and he hasn't you know like taken some humility for his failings over the last two years in the playoffs then it's not going to work out for him it's just like you he needs to have learned from this experience and and approach it with humility and like a bit of a different perspective i think um and if he just carries himself as like i'm the all-star like i'm the big dog like i'm the point guard um and refuses to work on his game if he comes in and he's like i'm playing point guard and i'm going to shoot 35 percent from three well then fine play point guard you're an all-star so you'll be fine if you can if you decide you're going to shoot but if he comes in without having fixed the the broken element of his offensive game and he comes in not having really like taken his lumps and it's like well that player is just not going to be successful anywhere assuming that he comes in and let's just say that uh creative coach like Chris Finch can say, I want to use you like this. I don't want to de-emphasize you. I just don't want you bringing up the ball, bring the ball up the court with four minutes left in the fourth quarter. I want you setting a screen and catching it on the short roll and throwing a lob to Cat or posting up, you know, in the paint because Cat's spaced out. So I think those two next to each other offensively are like a really, really good fit. Um, just because of Cat's versatility to kind of play play wherever. And we've talked about it before. Like, I think, you know, you've kind of said that Simmons' ideal role would be like a late Clippers career, Blake Griffin, where he's catching it on the short roll and then playmaking from there. Mm-hmm. He'd be lethal. Be lethal with that. Put some shooters around, put some shooters around that. Run a Simmons cat pick and roll. I know Simmons doesn't run much pick and roll, but hopefully he can hopefully he can prove that like you need to actually at least think about the possibility of him having a jumper. And then defensively, Cat can play the traditional five role and Simmons can do whatever the fuck you want because he's mm. he's sick. Mm. I, I do like, you know, an argument could be that Cat and Embiid are so similar that you're just going to run into the exact same issues. But Carlton Towns shoots plenty more threes and we've all seen the clips of him like running off screen, shooting these crazy off the dribble threes, which is like, you know, unheard of for someone his size to ever do before. So I, I much prefer the fit of him next to Cat. But I think uh, the other thing though as well is that in Philly, he's playing as the point guard, which means that there's a four on the floor. Whereas if he's playing as the four, it means that there's an extra point guard on the floor, an extra you know, ball handler on the floor, whatever, who can in theory shoot. So you'd have like an extra spacer on the Mm. floor if Simmons is playing the four as a big rather than a non-shooting guard. Yeah, and, and you can get away in today's NBA, you can get away with one dude on the court who can't shoot, and that's what you're saying. The problem with Philly is that if he's playing the point guard, 
And then maybe if they're not playing Mike Scott at the four, uh, then it's just a bit like, okay, well, you know, you're, you're going to be pretty cramped, uh, whether that's in, we got Matisse Tybal and obviously Matisse Tybal was, is been closing the games, been closing games for Philly. Uh, and he was obviously the one that caught the pass when, when Steven didn't want to shoot over Gallinari, but you yeah, know, I, I much prefer the Wolves fit. Um, what would the Wolves have to give up? So like you, you've written here that there would be two kinds of packages, the first based around D'Angelo Russell and then the second based around just pretty much assets. So if got Anthony Edwards and other pieces so that Philly could then maybe use them to roll it into something else. What would you, if you're Philly, what would you want to do? And then if you're the Wolves, what would you want to give up? If you look for points bets stock exchange listing, you'll find a bucket of jargon and doublespeak as they're considered a quote, wagering services operator, unquote. That's a corporate stretch for the colloquial friendly Brogan or, hey, look, it's Chris Bosch kind of image they're sending off with their targeted advertising. I don't know about you, but take me back to the days when former pro sports players signed brand deals with hair loss clinics or Fujitsu aircons, not, quote, wagering service providers. If you're scrolling through your Facebook feed and you come across the two of our faces morphed into one, would that make you listen to our podcast more? I mean, if it does, let us know and we'll start doing it. But when I see a few NBA players' faces morphed into one, it doesn't make me want to pull out my wallet and donate some money to my local wagering services provider. The worst part is we're coming to accept it. Gambling ads are, sorry, wagering service provider ads are so ingrained in our sports and the way sports is delivered to us, it's almost impossible to avoid. Three quarters of Australian children aged between eight and 16 years who watch sport think that betting on sport is normal and can name more than well, one or more sport betting companies. When I was in school, I was struggling to remember Pokemon names and I'd be furious if I knew that brain power was being used to put towards wagering service providers and not them. The wagering service providers know exactly who to target. It's not okay to let them ingrain themselves in young Australians' minds. It's not okay to target people in the middle of a pandemic, and it's not okay for gambling companies to wield so much influence in the world of sports. To help kick gambling out of sport, use your voice and sign the petition at www.ngamblingads.org.au forward slash petition. I think if I was the Wolves, I'd want to give up D'Lo. I think you'd have to give up D'Lo and Torian Prince for the salary to work. And then just picks. They've got all of their own first round picks going forward now that they've conveyed that pick to the Warriors. So they're in a decent spot with being able to like offer a potentially good pick um, in a trade if they wanted to bring someone like Simmons in. I would definitely want to include D'Lo and get off that contract if I was them. If I was Philly, you kind of like two schools of thought. Like if you think that Edwards could be an all-star by year three, then you might just get Edwards and be like, well, we're just going to keep this guy. Um, it would give the team a completely, completely different complexion from what they've had because you'd be, you know, swapping out the most shot-averse high-usage player in the league for uh, someone who's not exactly shot-averse. Um, but you're right in saying that Edwards is definitely a more potential like on-selling, uh, definitely a more appealing potential on-selling asset. So if they did kind of do this trade and still wanted to like you know accrue assets that they could use in a Lillard trade or a Beal trade or whatever like if you know if someone's gonna gonna completely blow it up by trading away their best player like Edwards could be a good and appealing option the issue is just that like he was in the draft and like he was for much of last year he's still a really polarizing player so I imagine that there's some front officers who'd be like yeah if we could get this guy for like not that much mm. like that'd be that'd be great but there'd probably other front officers that are like 
if he's the centerpiece of a trade, like I don't want it just because there's like a 40% chance that it just completely fucks up and he just turns into like, you know, Monte Ellis, the bad years. Yeah. 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 I, um, uh, I would, I think you, you just have to sort of get the salary. You'd have to get the salary to match. And whether you think D'Angelo Russell's better than what Anthony Edwards could be. I think if you do want to like end up rolling that trade into Damian Lillard, you want to end up rolling that into Bradley Beal, you have to get a dude who you can just send straight up for it. And I, I was sort of shocked to see that. I mean, obviously I knew it happened. The Warriors signed it, but D'Angelo Russell's making $30 million next season, which is way above what he's worth. Uh, but even like just having that salary there so that when you do trade with the Wizards or you do trade with Portland, you can say, all right, well, here's your player. You know, you've got two more years left on his contract and here's 50,000 picks. And then maybe you throw in like a Matisse Tybal who's on a cost-controlled rookie deal. So it makes a trade easier to do. But I think that is, I do not envy Daryl Morey's job because if these are his offers, if it's, you know, the the Warriors trade is obviously pretty obvious because, you know, you've got the, you've got uh, Kaminga and Moody and they're extremely movable. The Spurs is like a little less obvious because yes, they do have prospects that their prospects aren't as good as other teams. And then like the Wolves pick, how do you, how do you like, if you trade with any three of these teams, you're not going to get a guy who's ready to contend right now with Joel Embiid. So if you trade for any of these three teams, then you're getting assets, then you have to try and bundle that into something else in the future. And that just, it seems near impossible to me. Yeah. It makes it harder. Uh, It makes it a, a finer needle to thread, but what's the alternative? If you want to hold on to Simmons and use him as your Beal or Lillard trade chip, you're relying on Lillard or Beal to kind of like force their way out or like put put it out there that like they want things to happen now. Yeah. And at least on the Beal front, like we haven't heard much on the Lillard front, but at least on the Beal front, that noise seems to have quieted down and it seems pretty likely that he'll go into the season and give this new look team a go, mm, which means okay. what? You, you're bringing Simmons into the season with you after he's spent like forget about what's happened on the court, but like after he's spent the whole off season, like not responding to the team, like he's yeah, not yeah, yeah. in contact with the team, not in contact with his, um, not in contact with his teammates, didn't go with the boomers. So you have no idea where the fuck he's been, what he's been doing. And, you know, like he's somebody who has a, like a very close relationship with his dad in terms of like leaning on his dad. And Oh, you're thinking Uncle Dennis vibes with Kawhi. No, I'm not even thinking <laughs> Uncle Dennis. I'm just thinking like this guy trains with his dad a lot. Like his dad's over there and he's like, you know, working with him heaps. Mm. And I don't want to point the finger, but bloke can't shoot. And what's the, what's the common denominator? Dad's been there the whole time. So if you're telling me that like this guy who had this, career altering like catastrophic playoff performance and then just decides like nah fuck it i want out like i'm not contacting any any of you people i'm not returning your calls i'm going god knows where training god knows what with god knows who and then as the as the um as the team i'm supposed to be like well we want to trade you for lillard so like we're going to bring you back because what happens if the like if if that doesn't work and that relationship is as soured as it seems, that's not going to be healthy for him or the team. And if his, yeah, his value is just going to plummet. Well, but the team might like, you're not fucking around here. Like you're, you're a team with an MVP candidate in his prime. You can't afford to go through the first quarter of the season and, you know, be like eight and 12 because 
your second best player is in a toxic relationship. Like you don't you don't have a quarter of the season to just piss away. Mm. And and then there's the risk, like you say, if 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 it's all going terribly and his value somehow gets lower than it is, well then you're not only did you not bring him back and did you turn down all these other offers because you wanted to trade him for Lillard, but now you're not trading him for Lillard and he's just mm. young. Yeah, so just to build off those points about Beal, um, yeah, there are all the reports are that Beal's going to go into next season and my prediction at least is he's going to sign the Supermax and then move from there. But in Zach Lowe's podcast that we spoke about before, he reported that Damien Lillard has still not requested a trade. Um, and so Daryl Morey, it was at the just before the draft, he said that he's happy to take this situation into the preseason, which is like dangerously close to, you know, an area you don't want to be. Like you said, you don't want to start the season eight and twelve and they'll be like, shit, what do we do? Like we, we have to move, we have to move this dude for pennies on the dollar just because we cannot finish the season like this. Uh it, it is unfortunate that it has ended so ugly um because i think if you just roll this roll the ball out again philly's going to win 55 odd games and they're going to be fine in the regular season they'll have the exact same issues in the playoffs but you know because it ended ugly you don't have that luxury of saying all right well, we'll take it into the trade deadline see who's available at the trade deadline because you know starting today there's 20 teams that think they can win the title by the trade deadline there's five teams that think they think that they can win the title so it's like you you definitely have more sellers by the trade deadline and they've he's sort of muddied the waters by trying to get out of there before the start of the season but i, I don't know again i don't envy Daryl Morey. like what do you do here there is there is little to nothing you can do unless you want to sell them for, for peanuts. But I, a trade that I like, which, you know, has it's been reported, I can't remember who by it was reported that this won't happen and this hasn't been offered. But why don't you just get CJ McCollum uh, so you can get CJ McCollum and something uh, for Ben Simmons? Why, who says no there? I think Philly says no because I just think Ben Simmons, good Ben Simmons, let alone Ben Simmons who takes this on the chin and like tries to become a better player, which there's no indication that that's how he's playing this. And, you know, we all hope that that is how he's playing it. Um, But even like good Ben Simmons that we've seen so far that can't shoot is just a better player than CJ and CJ is old and Ben Simmons is young. Mm. Ben Simmons and CJ, they're being paid the same amount of money. So what what if you're getting like a couple of good first round picks in there and like, yeah, but again, again, and Fernie Simons. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, again, for this team, though, like the picks have more value as a trade asset than they do as an actual pick, which means you're just going to try and flip them again, and that's an uncertain market. So you'd rather just instead of getting the picks back, like you'd rather get like role players who can come in and like do important things like right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 yeah, I just think CJ just is not good enough on his own and i think the fact that they're trading with portland like they want lillard that's out there they that's who they want and they're not going to be like well let's just settle for his less successful less talented teammate yeah i think that that's um you know we're talking about simmons and ego and humility like i i don't know that daryl moore is a person who has a huge ego like but you know like you got to have some and i think he'd probably feel like going after lillard in a conversation with Neil O'Shea being like, Hey, like we want Lillard and Neil O'Shea is like, no. And then three weeks later, he's like, Hey, like we'll, we'll give you Simmons from a column. Like, I don't know that Moy would be able to have that conversation, even if he wanted to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think it's enough either, but like, 
Yeah, let, let's talk about the Warriors situation for a bit. Um, the trade that has been floated out there is Wiggins and the young guys plus future picks. Now, obviously, uh, the Warriors came out and like publicly denounced it and pretty much like put Darren Warriors' head on a stake and were like, why would you even think about offering us that? Um, sorry, I didn't mention Big Jim. Um, but like, I, I don't see the Warriors doing this just because the Warriors already have a Ben Simmons and possibly even a better Ben Simmons in Draymond Green. And, you know, the, the, the what's, what's the saying? Like the enemy you know is better than the enemy you, you don't know or whatever. What's, what is it? It's better than enemy you know. Yeah, uh, being uh, power fours that can't shoot but are really good at passing. Uh, and like, you know, obviously... I'm not even. I'm not even going to talk about Draymond Green. Moving on from Draymond Green, so like, but that's that's what it would have to be for a Ben Simmons situation to work. And I know if you're looking at everything from a robot's point of view, where there's no personalities involved and there's no prior history involved, you would say, "Hey, there's Draymond Green who's thirty something. There's Ben Simmons who's 24, 25. They do similar stuff. Ben Simmons might be better." you would probably make that swap in a heartbeat. Uh, but just because of how much Draymond means to the Warriors, I, I, I don't see that trade happening. Do you see either a Draymond for Ben Simmons plus stuff trade happen or Wiggins um, and stuff for, for Ben Simmons working in terms of getting the trade done and in terms of actually looking good on the court? I just think, yeah, that you're right. There's no way that Draymond's getting traded. I think you trade Draymond, you trade the soul of this iteration of the team and you are cursed by the basketball gods. <laughs> um, but this, the, the, these, these are just like the two most mismatched trade partners ever because you, you're not going to trade Draymond for Simmons. In my opinion, you can't trade for Simmons full stop because you can't play, you can't play Draymond and Simmons at the same time. Like you're allowed to have, like you said before, you can have one guy on the court who can't shoot. You need to have you know, like your worst three-point shooter after that, like the fourth best on the court needs to actually be able to shoot threes. And, you know, neither of these guys shoot threes. Neither of them can, neither of them want to. So it would just be, it would just be an awful move for them. And then for Philly, like the the biggest trade ship that, that Golden State has now is still Wiseman, who is the Philly's probably one of like four teams that wouldn't even consider him because... He, he's obviously a, a pure five with no positional flexibility. Embiid is going to play 36 minutes a game. Even if you say we're going to, we're going to play Embiid 32 minutes a game so that we can like keep him ready for the playoffs. What are you bringing Wiseman in to play backup five for, for 16 minutes? Like absolutely there's, no way. There's waste. no way his value is going to go up. Plus he just had meniscus surgery and he's going to miss the first couple of months of the season. Yeah. So it's like, it's like the, the, there's just nothing that they, that they want for you know that that Philly wants on that team that's available like there's there's nothing that that brings them any value to their roster um unless it was you know unless it was Draymond like a Ben and Draymond swap would be interesting but like like we say like it's just not going to happen with Draymond like he's for better or worse you, you you mentioned the the robot like the robot would make the call definitely but for better or worse like Draymond's like untouchable and I do think that there is something valuable in the institutionality that Draymond offers in that like just as much as Steph and Clay and possibly more he's like the the embodiment of this recent run of Warriors basketball so um, I do think that there's a lot of value especially with young players coming onto the team to have someone like that there to be the example and like show them what the team's about and set the standard and, you know, do all of those things that potentially Steph and Clay aren't doing because they're not as boisterous and dynamic personalities. 
Mm. Um, all right. Well, just before we move off this piece of news, final uh, final prediction. We'll, we'll put a prediction in on the 12th of August, 2021. What do you see happen with Ben Simmons, uh, whether it's traded or not, and where would he get traded if so? I think he's... I think he started the season in Philly. I, mm. I, I just think that there's a confluence of factors. His market, the, the fact that free agency is done, the draft is done, the fact that there's ego involved in all of these discussions like we've seen with, you know, the Warriors' response to, uh, to like Maury's trade offers, ETC, Simmons' mm. own ego. I think that there's so many things going on here that would make a trade difficult. Um, and I think, yeah, they're, they're, they're going to keep the powder dry and move him into the, the season, which I think is a bad move, but that's my, that's my prediction. What about you? Yeah, I, I think he's starting the season in a, in a Philly jersey as well. I just don't see any of these teams, like all these teams that might want Ben Simmons know that they now have the leverage. Like we've been through free agency, we've been through the draft, nothing's materialized. So if, you, if, if you're the Spurs and you had a set offer, you can now say, hey, um, we're keeping Lonnie Walker. You can have the rest of it now. And you can just say, oh, what else are you okay. going to do? You know, if, if, if Lonnie Walker was like the fifth piece in a, in a move there, you'd yeah. say like, nah, well, we're just going to keep him now. What are you going to do? He's going to like keep this dude. You can't shoot on your team. Uh, but look, in, in what universe is Lonnie Walker the, the straw that breaks the camel's back? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe they've seen those two great games that Lonnie Walker's played over the last. One of them against the Rockets, the other one against uh, a summer league team. <laughs> that's mean uh what other pieces of news did you oh actually one one piece of news i want to talk about just as a bit of a sad note as uh, aaron baines is in hospital with severe neck damage uh that he suffered while in the tokyo olympics and he could miss the entire season coming from shams trinia of the athletic and he's currently not under an nba contract and this is such a shame for an australian basketball player who is going to miss a year, to, year of playing and probably a year of salary as well. Yeah, well, hopefully, you know, he can come back and be like a trade deadline, like end of season acquisition for someone who needs big reinforcements. But yeah, that's sad for, for Aaron Baines. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I wanted to talk quickly about the um, Spicy P yeah, trade yeah. rumours because I don't know what it is. There's something about him that when he gets traded i'm gonna talk myself into him i'm gonna be back on board the spicy p train um and i like him i really like him on the warriors and uh the report coming from jason anderson of the sacramento b so read read into that however you will (laughs) that the kings and the clippers as well as the warriors are also enamored is the word uh this is the word being used by a Siakam trade. And I kind of like him on the, on the Kings. So mm. I wanted to put to you, does a trade that, that involves uh, Harry Barnes, Marvin Bagley, and then let's, that's your salary sorted. It gets you to 30 million roughly, which is the, the number that you'd need to get to. And then plus assets, get it done. And if so, what do you, what would you need to get it done? Like I've kind of like floated out Davion Mitchell and like another protected first round pick as like the assets attached. Um, does that get it done? And what does Toronto want from this trade? Like are you trading a former All-NBA player to get younger players and assets or they want to do like a, a multi-role player swap and just be like deep and say to OG and Fred Van Vliet, this is your team? Or do they want to, you know, like a, a another big player trade? Like what's your... Two questions, like, does that trade get it done? 
And what's your read on what Toronto actually wants in getting rid of him? I think that trade does get it done because uh, yes, it's, it's it'll cost a lot to give up Davion Mitchell, but you're also giving up such a good big asset and a future pick to pretty much get off Marvin Bagley, uh, Marvin Bagley's final year of his contract and give up his restricted free agent rights uh, because that is going to be fucking disgusting. Like we're talking about Larry Markman right now, but who knows what Marvin Bagley's uh, market's going to look like next year. Uh, I'm sure his dad has some thoughts, but um, I think whenever you see these reports coming out of the Sacramento Bay and you see these reports coming out of Sacramento, I, I think back to obviously Monty McNair coming out of Houston Rockets uh, school of thought. And the whole thing with Daryl Morey was just get in the conversation and make sure that you're one of the, you're one of the names attached to these like quote star players that are getting moved. So if you remember a couple of years ago, Daryl Morey had an interview with, um, with Jimmy Butler when he was a free agent coming out of Philly and like the potential trade there was like a sign and trade with like four different dudes moving elsewhere. Uh, and then Daryl Morey said he was willing to give up four few future first round picks that were like, you know, 10 years in the future or something incredible. Right. And it was obviously never going to work, but he, he booked the meeting. I'm sure he went out for a like delicious dinner with, with Jimmy Butler and his representation. And whenever people read the headlines, whenever it was on sports center, whenever it was on TV, on podcast, you said, okay, you know, the heat, blah, 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 blah. The Rockets are involved in trying to get Jimmy Butler. And I think Monty McNair has been doing the same thing because if you've seen this offseason, he has attached Sacramento's name to every single trade dude out there. So, uh, I mean, we, we put this in our group chat and we always go, ah, Alessio, what do you think about getting da-da-da player? What do you think about getting this? And Alessio, you know, he's a heartbroken Kings fan. He just goes, oh, I don't know anymore. Whatever they do, I don't trust him. But it's it's nice to see that Monty McNair is just trying to get his name involved in every single trade. And I don't think that he is going to make a move this offseason. But there was the whole thing with the um, with the Lakers trade. It was like, oh, we're moving off Buddy Hill. There's the whole thing with Pascal Siakam. The Kings were actually in the running for Ben Simmons. And I think this is just the Houston school of thought or the Mar- the Maury school of thought, which is just get in the conversation because now heading into next season, people are going to be like, all right, you've got the Kings, you've got De'Aaron Fox, you've got Tyrese Halliburton, and you've got Davion Mitchell. And you say the, the buzz is going to be, hey, around Sacramento, they were getting involved in these trades. They were saying, hey, maybe we'll like, you know, kick the tires on Pascal Siakam. And then maybe next season they'll kick the tires on whoever that person may be. I think once McNair even touched his name to Bradley Beal for a second there, but, you know, believe it or not, some people just didn't hear it. Um, so I just, I like that he's putting his name out there and I think it bodes well for the Kings because the Kings are building up all these assets. I don't think they're going to push in now because they're still very young and they're still, they're still building up their asset base and building up their young talent. But I think this is a good sign for Kings fans that getting in the conversation and holy shit if i had so much um kool-aid from the from the the house of monty mcnair obviously remember when i bought in as soon as he was uh he was assigned to this role with the sacramento kings but I, i'm really liking what monty mcnair is doing so to answer your original question no i don't think this gets it done because i don't believe in this trade i, I seriously think this is just monty mcnair throwing his name out there throwing his hat in the ring do you think that the Raptors want to move off Siakam then? Uh, that's C- or is uh, it much to do about nothing? I, I think they would uh, if you can get a good offer. Um, but like, yeah, it's it's a little bit confusing. What are the Raptors doing? Because let's say they make this trade, they get assets, they get a whole bunch of young players. They've got Scotty Barnes, Fred Van Vliet, young players galore, right? They've got Precious Chua, ETC. Um, God, I've been really getting on the ETC thing. Um, <laughs> 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 get to see if uh, 
Marco Holden says, I guess, from the JVG NBA tribute show. But like, yeah, what what are what are Toronto doing? And the only the only evidence we have in the past of what now what's what is uh, Masai Ujiri's title? He he recently got a title that was like, is he not Pobo? He's not Pobo. He's the vice chairman, president of of the Toronto you know how like the, the president of basketball operations was like okay this is a little bit of a funny title he got a new one that was like um he's he's becoming the vice chairman and president of the Toronto Raptors so that's just another way to say general manager um the only evidence we have of him when he collects assets is the trade for Kawhi Leonard to push all his chips in. So, hey, let's win a title. But now if he's getting all these assets and then a Kawhi Leonard becomes available and he trades for him, he doesn't have Kyle Lowry next to him and he doesn't have like all these established players. He's got Fred Van Vliet and you know, Pascal Siakam for now he's, and OG Ananobi, which, uh, you know, obviously there's no Kyle Lowry there. There's no like clear second option. So I don't, I don't really know what Masai is doing there. What do you think he's doing? Well, I just kind of feel like there's no obvious reason to trade Siakam now, but Scotty Barnes is drafted as, you know, like a big wing who can handle the ball, who's probably not going to get the opportunity to handle the ball with Van Vliet on the team. So let's just say that he's a three or a four-sized person. Siakam is a three or a four-sized person. So is OG. Precious Chua, who, you know, like whatever, he's a late first round pick, but like he's flashed that he could be like a useful role player, is also a four-size person. Siakam's getting paid by far the most out of all those. You know, OG's on like 16 a year and then the other two are on rookie contracts. Siakam's on 30 a year. So down the line, it just makes sense that if you're saying like we've got all these young players who, you know, Scotty Barnes, you want to see what he's the fourth pick, you want to see what he can do. OG is one of these dudes who it's like if OG came out and averaged like 23 points and, you know, like eight boards and two steals and shot 50% from the, the field, I would not be surprised because he just seems like one of these dudes with like, you know, layers and layers of potential locked away that we just haven't seen yet. So I think Siakam very easily could become the odd man out. I don't think that he is yet, but the risk would just be if Scotty Barnes turns out to be really good right away and then you're like, well, we need to like clear a path for playing time for this guy. Mm. Then Siakam is, it's not like two years down the track or, or even a year down the track. It's like, oh, like we're two months into season and now we need to trade Siakam. And it's easier to do these trades in a static period, like the off season than it is like on the fly um, in season. So if they were going to do it now, I think I would read into that as being like, just getting ahead of it and being like, well, like we can dictate this a little bit more now than we can in the middle of the season mm. um but I, in, in terms of long-term plan like I, I just don't have a feel for where they think they are because i think we probably both agree that they're not a contender in the east last season they were quite bad but there was a whole bunch of whack shit going on with them last <laughs> season being in tampa and just not a season conducive for anybody's success and potentially like no one had it worse off than they did so like do they see themselves as a top as a playoff team that they can avoid the plane or do they think they're going to be in the play? Like, like I, I, I don't know what the plan is. It doesn't seem like there is a clear plan. I guess if they do trade Siakam, the return that they get will be an indicator because if they trade him for like three good role players and it's like, okay, well, they're obviously just going to try and go for something now. And they think that their young players can like step into that responsibility. But if they trade him for like assets and it's like, well, maybe they're just trying to, go into like a soft like mini one year 
tank and come out on the other side with OG and Scotty they, Barnes having evolved. They just finished their one year mini tank and they got Scotty Barnes and they, and they drafted the the high upside guy who could be the best player in this whole entire draft for Scotty Barnes as opposed to Jalen Suggs who doesn't have that that a high as star potential in, in most people's minds. Well, I mean, those people obviously didn't watch Jalen Jalen Suggs' first G League game where he had five blocks. Well, if you watch that same first G League game, you'll just seen uh, a few Kaminga highlights. I'm actually really liking Jonathan Kaminga. I, I was a little bit low on him heading into summer league, but you know, as with all summer league uh, games, read into it a lot and take it with more than a grain of salt because it's very <laughs> important and there's heaps of stuff you can learn from there. A few Justinian Jessup uh, step back threes as well. He's got a role to play You're, next season um... for the Warriors. Your your boy Nico Mannion, he's 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 gone to Italy. I know he had to open up the roster spot for Gary Payton the second. So you know, crack a few eggs, make an omelet, etc. etc. Um, I I need to stop saying that. That's, that's not even funny. Yeah, you got you. That's like three in the last few minutes. <laughs> yeah, jeez. Uh, yeah, Nico Mannion, uh, Light Years, Joey Light Years, apparently Max Calzones. <laughs> well, he'll be, uh, he's going to Bologna. So, uh, obviously, we just saw him light it up with the Italian national team in the Olympics. So oh, that he's up, like a light good... it up. <laughs> he had that one game where he was, he was like, I can't remember who it was against, but he was like, Junior. really, maybe he, he was really good in one of those games doing some, you know, some, yeah, but so late level stuff. So it was like fucking. Michael tone up, bro. Like, yeah, he, he had a yeah. I know, himself. but he's you know he's a dude who's in. He's actually like like in the NBA. Like, it's not like it's some obscure European guy. That that um that guy um Preselic from uh from Slovenia lighting it up. And you're not like, oh, get this guy in the NBA. Like, at least in yeah, yeah, you've yeah. seen him get on the court, and you're like, maybe this is sign of growth, not and not just like fever play. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. Should we uh, should we close up with just some some uh, chatting about some of the less notable free agency deals that have gotten done? Yeah, um, and I'll, as in less notable, like our favourites or our least favourites. Yeah, well, I, un, under the radar or your or your favourite. All right. Well, my favorite I know you deal, want to talk about someone. And my favorite deal, um, and probably the best value deal, would have to be uh, what the Warriors did, uh, giving Stephen Curry four years, two hundred fifteen million dollars. Uh, he will now become the first player to make over fifty million dollars uh, in a season for like more than one. Uh, fuck, I don't know what it is. He's making like fifty three million dollars a year. Uh, this is his second ever two hundred million dollar contract, and he is worth you know every cent and some. And Steph Curry is going to be making like $53 million when he's 38. And I'm so here for it. It's going to be. And the best part about it is that he'll be, he'll be making it in Charlotte. So <laughs> start thinking about which Charlotte Hornets players you want to take back as salary when you trade him to Golden State in 2020, when you trade him to Charlotte in 2024. Yeah, nah. Um, if that was going to happen, it was going to be his first unrestricted free agency, and he didn't even meet with the Charlotte Hornets. Um, some teams are just light years ahead of others, and don't don't want to fuck <laughs> around with their superstar players. Um, some teams are. Also, some teams are. Uh, also, it'd be interesting to see if there's any like non guarantees at the end of this deal. Like, obviously, you know, you know, he's an MVP caliber player. He's in the discussion for at least the next two years, in my opinion, and he has been in the discussion for the last six, seven years. Um, but like he's going to be 38 years old. Are there any protections for the Warriors on the back end of that contract in case, hey, on the 30-year-old, 38-year-old player, like what, what if he's not vegan? What if he doesn't do yoga by then? And then we've just got like the carcass of Steph Curry and we're paying him like some fucking small country's GDP worth of salary. 
Well, I think that maybe we should have a rule called the Kobe rule, which is like, if that's what you have to do, then that's what you have to do. Like there was no, remember, it's so, it's so quaint 2013 <laughs> when they gave Kobe like a two-year $50 million deal and everyone was like, That's 48, you're paying you. Kobe $25 million a year? That's fucked. Like how how far we've come where like Russell Westbrook is earning double what- D'Angelo Russell's on 30. People couldn't believe that Kobe was going to get 25 a year and Russell Westbrook's earning 47 and John Wall's earning 47. Like it's, it's, it's wild. Um, mm. But if you have to, if the downside for keeping this core together and rewarding the best player hands down in your franchise's history is that two years of paying him a shitty contract, then you just take it. But you would love some form of like Dirk level contract where for the last five years of his career, he was just taking like two year deals yeah, at like Tim half Duncan his, as well. Yeah, like half of his annual annual value. Um, but you know what? We'll we'll see we'll see eventually if there's any protections on on the end of that or, or partial guarantees and stuff. But how would that look? You know, like oh it, yeah, it'd look horrible. Him. Yeah, yeah. It'd be, it'd be kind <laughs> oh of, no, not not even cutting him, just like. Bonuses where it's like you have to play fifty games or something. Yeah, yeah. I, I, for the record, I don't think there are any in there. Uh, yeah, I think you just pony up the you bag. Just fucking do it because he's Stephen fucking Curry, uh, and he's incredible, and it's part of the reason, a major part of the reason why I love basketball. Well, my so one of my deals I want to talk about is um, arguably the second best point guard in the Pacific <laughs> Division campaign. <laughs> Uh, locked up again in Phoenix on three years, 19 million, which is just insane. Cause we were thinking like, I was worried that someone was going to offer him like the full mid-level, like four years and a little bit less than 40. And he was going to say like, yeah, thank you. And take the, you know, the opportunity to go and, and play in potentially like a, a bigger role. Um, Cause I think that, you know, he's like a, the, the player that he's shown over the last year puts him in like starter adjacent territory um so i'm you know as as a as a a basketball commentator i'm like wow that's great value and as a fan i'm like wow that's fucking hectic thanks for coming back on such a cheap deal because you're genuinely really good everyone in phoenix is drinking from the fountain of monty except (laughs) tory craig who uh sorry i should correct myself tory craig uh (laughs) who signed in indiana for for 10 million over two years, which I was kind of true. I forgot about that. I was kind of like a little bit sad about that. Like, I'm like, yes, I understand the situation where he's our, you know, he's our fourth wing and we needed to bring pain back and we needed to sign a center. Like I get it, but I was still sad because uh, he's quite good. It it, it turns out and he's just massive and gives you um, some unbelievable positional flexibility with the, with the lineup. So I was disappointed about that, but very happy about campaign. Um, Just before we move off campaign, I found a quote from August 31st, 2017, where a Bulls insider, someone who worked for the Bulls at the time, um, anonymously told the media, quote, we knew the second practice that campaign uh, couldn't play at the NBA level. The only reason it took two practices was because we thought it was nerves on the first one. Any Bulls coach who says differently is lying, and we got guard on that one, guard referring to guard packs. Uh, and well, Gar Foreman. Um, and look at him now. And look at him now. He, he is a good value contract at three for 19. And, you know, one of the better backup point guards in the league. 
Cropper, one of the better backup point guards in the league. Like he's he's well and truly had an eighteen months of power and just turned himself turned his his career around. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, there's nothing that kind of gets you going more than when campaigns like hit his sixth bucket of the second quarter and you're like, this guy can't fucking miss. You're just like, whoa, surely this like, surely this drive into into the body of the big and then like heave off the top of the backboard is not just going to like softly kiss the glass and drop in. And then it does four times in a row. And you're like, wow, this guy's a lot of fun. Uh, and another contract that I want to talk about, and I know you want to talk about too, uh, is Jeff Green going to Denver for two for 10. And I, th- I was really surprised when this happened. Now, this is possibly taking up Paul Millsap's uh, potential roster spot, but still Jeff Green gives you so much more versatility. And for this Denver squad that definitely has played well on defense in the past couple of years, definitely has some holes in terms of who they have to play. So obviously... Uh, Nikola Jokic and Jermichael Green. You've got guys there who, sorry, not Jermichael Green. Um, what's the dude's name? Michael Porter Jr. You've got dudes that aren't very good at defending their positions. And uh, Jeff Green can guard three positions there and will come in and can fit alongside him, can fit replacing him, uh, and looks really good on the second unit as well. And I'm really excited to see how this goes. And the best part is the first part, which is two years, because Denver are going to be competing for a title when Jamal Murray is at full health. Jamal Murray is probably going to be at full health next season for when they make a title run. Yeah, I think the fact that they got him on on a reasonable deal and you talk about that second year is very important. But I think the biggest thing is that he can be an effective player next to Jokic playing at the four, or he can be like a backup five and you want to go small. So he's Mm. not one of these like role players who's limited substantially by the the lineup that you put around him, which is often the case with, you know, with that backup three, four, fives that you have to kind of have some form of commitment to that, that, that specific player. Um, and, and that's not the case here. So I think that that'll be um, quite a good deal. And I mean, like, you know, is he better than Millsap? Like, is it that much of a loss if, if, if Millsap, who was going to probably command, you know, like 10 a year, leaves and you bring Jeff Green in. I mean, like he's a better shooter than Millsap, definitely. He's potentially not a better defender, but I think it's a, I think it's an open question. And you're not really going to be asking, um, you know, Green to do anything else on offense. So it's kind of like a moot point where the Millsap has like a better post-up game, which he does, but it's not like Millsap post-up it, game. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, you just need that position and that slot to be like a spacer on, on, on offense and let... Let um, Nikola Jokic break out the Sombor shuffle. So I think that it's uh, not that big of a loss and to to let Millsap walk if that's what happens. Mm. Um, I I was, so you say $10 million. I was actually, every single like sort of off season preview I did for the Warriors, sorry, for for the Nuggets when riding for Nug Love, I always looked at it like, of course, Millsap's going to take the minimum. He's going to be 37 years old by the time the next playoffs roll around. And I'm like, he he was in a minimized role last season. He's obviously been declining as he gets older. I, I don't know why whether this he him still being a free agent comes from Denver, not wanting him to pony up and pay a little bit more money, or him wanting to just go elsewhere. Um, I, I don't know what because no, I don't I don't think anyone's paying Paul Mills that significant money at all. Uh, and I'm just wondering. What's going on there? I've got no idea. Well, I, I did. I just have this feeling with Millsap and I like, I, I couldn't tell you what the timeline 
has been like it, it's probably only the last few years but remember he was on like 30 million and there was like a team option and they were like are we going to decline and like sign him to a different deal and they ended up just being like no like we know that you're probably only like an eight million dollar player we're just going to pay you 30 million anyway and then we'll like lock you up after and then they went from 30 million to where he sound like he signed, he signed for like two years 10 sorry mm. two years 20 and he's getting 10 minutes i'm just like how is this guy who who is yeah i mean he's not really like you're right he's not in the vicinity of 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 a 10 million dollar player maybe the reason why i thought that's what it would take to get him back is just association of him seemingly for the last three four years is getting paid way more than what he was giving them on the court i, I don't know he, he was on 10 million dollars flat last year and and you're right they picked up the team option in 1920 for 30 million dollars uh like yeah, he's he's done a great thing coming to Denver and being like the first big free agent to come there in a while and was part of the reason. But like a, a lot of Denver dudes have been writing sort of their obituaries to to Paul Millsap, being like, you know, thank you for coming to this team. Like when you came, Denver was on the rise, bloody blah. And there's been a few of those articles. And it's like, well, A, he's still alive, and B, he still could sign. And see, like, what's what's the fucking hold up? Like this dude, he was he's from Denver. He grew up in Denver, he came here because he wanted to be on a team that, you know, was familiar to him. Uh, I, I don't know. Like, there was a rumor of him going back to Atlanta. There's a rumor of him getting the taxpayer MLE from Golden State. Those teams have filled those those positions. What's what's he doing? Is this just, like, maybe a sneaky retirement? Yeah, I mean, he could also just be like, look, I'm resigned to getting the minimum. I'm just going to, like, wait a couple of weeks and see how everything shakes out and, like, you know, see what might end up goes. going and taking the minimum on the Lakers, you know? Like just yeah. figure out where do I want to go. Mm. Um, one one last deal that I wanted to discuss. I want to discuss in conjunction with a, another move that this team has made that I think is a great piece of GMing, and it involves Sean Marks and the Brooklyn Nets. So on draft night, they traded Landry Shamet um, for the 29th pick and Javon Carter with the Suns. Um, Javon Carter is not a good point guard, but he is an excellent on-ball defender and he's a very good three-point shooter. Um, and in Brooklyn, he's not going to be asked to handle the ball at all because he's going to be on the court with probably one, at least most likely two of the big three there. So they don't need him to be a ball handler. They literally just need him to D up someone 94 feet, which he loves doing, and shoot corner threes, which he's also quite good at. Mm. Growing that they got the 29th pick in there as well, they selected Daron Sharp, who I don't know anything about, so whatever. But, you know, like take a, take a, 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 take a punt on a young big and hope that he turns into like the role-playing centre that you need. And then they've signed Paddy Mills to a two-year $12 million deal to fill the Shamit role, um, which, you know, Paddy Mills is better than Shamit and does exactly the same things that Shamit does just better and has a bit more in his locker in terms of off the dribble stuff that if you did need, you know, Paddy Mills to go for 28 on a, on a, in a game where like two of the big three are sitting out, like he can do that with the ball in his hands better than Shamit can. Mm. So I think turning, turning like Shamit into um, Carter and the 29th pick and then just signing Mills for, you know, six million um, per year when we don't know what Shamit's going to get paid after this year. Like, I think that's just fantastic, fantastic GMing around the margins for, you know, like the he, Sean Marks has already 
done all of the big things, only moves left for him to do around the margins. But like, mm-hmm. I think that's how you, that's how you do it. Like they're going to both be very important players for them. And uh, it's it's one of the luxuries of having Curry, having Kevin Durant and James Harden. You can get these incomplete players like Javon Carter, who it's like, okay, you don't want him to ever touch the ball. That's fine. James Harden's on the court with him. Kevin Durant's on the court with him. And it's, yeah, I, I love the trade as well. And the fact that they got the 29th pick because, yeah, this seems fucking expensive. They don't have much wiggle room. So by getting two draft picks late in the first round, if both of those guys hit, they've got two role players for the next four years locked up on a very cheap deal. And I, I love it for them. Yeah, I think it's I think it's really yeah really. And I'm, as a Suns fan, I'm not that I'm not that mad about losing. Like even though I think they got the better end of the trade, like it's exactly what you just said that like the value for him there is so much higher because he can have such a simple role. Whereas if he's on Phoenix, he's gonna be playing as like the third string point guard mm-hmm. and he's gonna have the ball in his hands. And I've just like I've seen two and a half years of what that's like, so I don't need to see it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just like that fantastic moves around the margins from. Sean Marks. So he gets this week's uh, best Sean of the week. (laughs) No, no, no. Come on. Come on. (laughs) None of that, please. Sean Kingston won this week. (laughs) I was going to say, I was going to say something about either flowers or we give him a cookie, but how about we just give him a condescending like ruffle of the hair and like, good job, champ. (laughs) Good job, sport. Yeah. I like it. Um, Well, what a great way to end a podcast, Dante. Yeah, absolutely. Um, did you, uh, just before we go, did you write something for the blog this week, Shawnee? I did. I wrote about uh, where the Miami Heat are going. So it's the blog, which can be found at thedeep2.com. Uh, and I wrote about, yeah, where, where are the Miami Heat going? They've just pretty much won free agency, but does that doom them to the treadmill of good? Are they stuck as a top four seed in the East with no superstar to push them over the edge? Are they going to beat the Bucks? Are they going to beat the Brooklyn Nets, are they going to beat the Warriors or the Lakers? And if not, what are you doing? Because you've just hard capped yourself with a Kyle Lowry trade. But uh, read more to find out my thoughts on that topic because maybe they are really good. Maybe Jimmy Butler's finals run wasn't a fluke. You know where to find it, the dead <laughs> <laughs>